0: Our text for this morning is found in Romans chapter 10. We actually uh, moved through or up to verses 6 and 7 last week. Touched on it a little bit, but really we're focusing on verses 6 through 11 uh, this morning. I've entitled the message, The Faith Way of Salvation, because this is really what this chapter is about. Much to the surprise of the Jews, salvation is by faith. You see, that's what Romans 9 through 11 is uh, dealing with. It's dealing with this, the, er, the great error of the Jews in supposing that they could earn their way to heaven uh, by the works of the law. So the main theme of Romans has been salvation by God's righteousness through faith alone. Salvation is not by man's righteousness, but it is by the very righteousness of Christ. And much to the surprise of the Jews, salvation is not by law-keeping. Salvation is by pure and simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and not by the works of the law. You can see then that when Christ came and fulfilled the law... He became our standard bearer. He became our substitute. He was the one who kept the law, not us. And he was the goal to which the law pointed. Uh, Actually, when Christ came and perfectly kept the Mosaic law, and when he died to pay the penalty of the law, which the law imposed on sinners... The law was fulfilled, Paul says. And now whosoever believes in the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ is not under the law, but under grace. That's found in Romans 6.14. It's stated just that way. That old Mosaic law was done away when Christ fulfilled the law. Since the great purpose of the law was to point to Christ, you see, So when the substance came, that is when Christ actually came, the types were done away. Now the law was that thing that made the distinction between Jew and Gentile. The Jews were under the Mosaic law, but the Gentiles were not. But now that the law has been done away, you see, the distinction between the Gentile and the Jew has been done away, and there's no difference, Paul says, between Jew and Gentile. Uh, The Bible puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, we just read a portion in Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians 2, 13 through 18, let me read it to you. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, who's that? That's the Gentiles. You who were sometimes far off are made near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. Actually he's talking about I think the peace between Gentile and Jew you see. He's our peace who hath made both one. And hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of two, that is Jew and Gentile, one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both, Jew and Gentile, unto God in one body by the cross. Having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you who were afar off. Who's that? and to them that were nigh, that's the Jews, for through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. You see, for 1,500 years there was a distinction between Jew and Gentile, but at the end of the law period that distinction was done away. The law was what made the Jews distinct from the other nations but when Christ came and fulfilled the law the distinction was finally done away and this point is stated profoundly by Paul in Romans chapter 3 verses 21 and 22 where he says but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God which is by faith Of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. That is, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Romans 10.12 says the same thing, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is over all, is rich unto all that call upon him. Now in chapter 10, Paul is still on the topic of the Jews. And he is drawing the sharp distinction between the law way of salvation and the faith way of salvation. I want to just outline uh, for you the points that Paul makes about the faith way of salvation. That's what we've come to this morning. First of all, the faith way makes salvation attainable, you see, whereas the law way makes salvation unattainable. Now, if you're depending on salvation by law keeping, and that is whatever law you've set up for yourself, you see, maybe you think you get to heaven by being better than your neighbor, I don't know. Or maybe you want to lower the standards a little bit and you're better than those down at 201 Poplar, down at the jailhouse, you see. But if you're depending on salvation by your works or by your law keeping, the Bible says that you must do, do, do. You got to keep on doing, you see. Uh, Look at Romans 10, 5. This is the law way. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Not only must you do, 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 but also you must do it perfectly. You know that, right? You can never make one mistake under the law. You must be absolutely perfect to attain righteousness by the law. James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. Let me ask you this. Do you want to be under the law? Good luck. Here's the great error of the Jews. They thought that they could be accepted by God by the observance of the law. They became very religious in their rituals and they thought this would save them. But at the end of the day, the law only demonstrated that men are sinners. And it didn't take the law long to show it. The law didn't save them, but it condemned them. It's a ministry of condemnation. The law had just the opposite effect. Than what the Jews supposed, rather than being a ministration of life to them, the Bible says that it was a ministration of death. 2 Corinthians 3.6 says, for the letter killeth, that's the law, killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And so the Jews were in an exercise of futility because they sought to be saved by the law and they thought that righteousness was attainable by the law and Paul says that the Jews this is in Romans 9 31 Paul says that the Jews did not attain under righteousness well we could have told you that you see no man can attain under the holy standards of God on the other hand, the Gentiles who never had the law simply believed in Christ and they attained under righteousness, Romans 9.30. I want you to see by this how much better the faith way of salvation is. It is much better than the law way. Secondly, The law way of salvation is impossibly hard, but the faith way is very simple. Of course, we know that Christ saves his people by coming down from heaven and by becoming a man and perfectly obeying the law and dying for his people. And then Christ also saves his people by coming out of the tomb alive and mediating for them at the right hand of the Father. This is Christ's work. And what a supernatural work it is, you see. What a supernatural work is the work of redemption. It is a divine work. It is a majestic work. It is a supernatural work in every respect. And it is a faith way of salvation. Now you're going to find in Romans chapter 10 verses 6 through 10 that Paul personifies the faith way of salvation. He's going to let the faith way speak for a moment. It's almost like the faith way of salvation is a person. Now he's going to talk to you, you see. And salvation by faith is going to scold the law-keeping way. In essence, it will be scolding the Jews who thought that they could do the impossible work of salvation by their own efforts. Take a look at Romans chapter 10, verses 6 and 7. Let's read it. It says, but the righteousness which of faith speaketh. On this wise, you see how he's now personifying the faith way of salvation. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. Now, admittedly, this is a hard passage of Scripture that we're dealing with this morning. It is rather uh, difficult. Uh, Paul is virtually quoting Moses from Deuteronomy chapter 30 here, verses 11 through 14. I want to read that to you. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou should say who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou should say who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near unto thee and in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. The faith way of salvation is kind of mocking the Jews here in Romans chapter 10. It is saying, do you think you can do the impossible? Go ahead, Mr. Lawkeeper, ascend into heaven. Go ahead, Mr. Lawkeeper, descend into the deep. Try to accomplish salvation by your own works. Try to do what only Christ could do. And the faith way just mocks those who think they can save themselves by works or by law keeping or by any other way but faith. That's really what Moses was doing as well back in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And the faith way tells the Jews, don't do it. Essentially, it says, stop deceiving yourselves. Salvation requires much more than you could ever accomplish by your own efforts. Paul is also implying that salvation is far away for those who try to achieve it themselves. He uses the figure of ascending into heaven and descending into the deep. That's how far away salvation is for those who were counting on law-keeping. And of course, they didn't even have space travel back then, you see. But ascending into heaven is more than ascending into outer space even. Heaven is that realm that lies even outside of our universe. And descending into the deep is more than simply deep diving to the bottom of the ocean. The deep here is the place of the dead. It is a place where the living cannot go. So that's what the faith way says not to do. Don't try to do the impossible. But in verses 8 through 10 of our text... The faith way of salvation will tell us what we must do to be saved. You can't climb to heaven to do what Christ came to do. You can't go to the realm of the dead to do what Christ did. But look at Romans 10, 8 through 10. But what saith it? This is still the faith way of salvation speaking. The word is near thee. He's talking about the gospel word of faith here. The word is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be, what? Saved. For with the heart Man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I want to take a look here to see that the faith way of salvation is near. Do you see that in verse 8? It says, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee. The idea here is that salvation by faith makes salvation attainable. Whereas salvation by law-keeping was far off and unattainable, salvation by faith is very near and attainable. Salvation by faith is so close that you don't have to go anywhere. Salvation by the law, on the other hand, is so far away that you can never get there. Paul's point is that by clinging to the law of righteousness, the Jews had no chance whatsoever. But if they had just accepted Christ by faith, they would have attained righteousness. Notice that it is the word that is near in verse 8. It is the message of salvation that was brought near it is the gospel that has been brought to our doorstep by the preaching of Jesus and by the preaching of the apostles and by the preaching of God's ministers through the ages. It is the word of God which is powerful unto salvation. Romans 1.16 And interestingly, the gospel was brought first to the Jews Did you know that Jesus uh, never preached, as far as we know, outside the borders of Israel? But he brought the gospel very near to the Jews. When Jesus preached, the gospel rang loud and clear throughout Israel. And he sent his apostles out into Israel with the gospel. And the gospel fog, if you will, rolled into Israel so that it was very near. It permeated every street and every corner. And so Paul told the Jews, the word is near thee. That is the word of faith. Now Paul says that the word is near thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. This is a little bit difficult here. This apparently was a Hebrewism. It was an idiom, if you will. It was an expression. If you said that it was in your mouth, it was an expression that they used when something was very near. Uh, Sometimes we use similar expressions. When I was in law school... It seemed like graduation day would never come. Law school is three years long, and that's after you've completed your college education. Uh, That first year, it seemed very far off. But then in the second year, it started to seem a little closer. But then as the final year wore on, we would say, graduation is so close, we can almost taste it. You see? It's in our mouths. We can taste it. And when Jesus and the apostles preached the word of faith, it was right there. Salvation was so close, they could almost taste it. And the word of God penetrated to the heart. And they were convicted and salvation was so close, you could taste it in your mouth and you could feel it in your heart. But Paul could also be expressing that the faith way of salvation is an internal matter. I hope that you understand that true religion is a heart religion. Now the Jewish religion had become an external matter. Their religion was outward. It was all in the doing. You could be as cold as ice on the inside, and many of the Jews were, and the Pharisees certainly were. You could be as cold as ice on the inside as long as you perform the rituals. But the way of faith says, no, true religion is found on the inside. True salvation is a heart matter. So let's take a look at verse 9 and we see first, I want to go to the second part first if you will indulge me, true salvation results from faith in the heart. Do you see that in verse 9? Now I'm going to get to the confession with the mouth in a moment, but certainly it is believing in the heart that is the effective cause of our justification. This is the message of the Bible Everywhere it says that believing in the heart is the way to salvation. In Romans 4.3, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for salvation. Do you see how simple that is? The Bible everywhere confirms that our salvation is by the instrument of faith alone. It is not by doing But it is by believing. Our salvation is found first in the heart, and it is not by works. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, which we saw in Sunday school and also read earlier in our worship service, reads again like this For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Now, in this great Ephesians passage, faith is what saves, and it is not works. That is, it is not by any outward act or by any outward performance. Uh, This was the great issue, by the way, of the Reformation. Was salvation by faith alone, or was it by church rituals? Was it by faithfully attending Mass every Sunday, or was it by faith alone? Was it by coming once a month and confessing sins to a priest, or was it by faith alone? And the Bible is very clear that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Works is what was required under the law. But under grace it is faith alone. If it is anything but faith, the Bible says, then it is not grace. If you have to do anything, then you would have something to boast about, you see. You would be going around heaven boasting about how you did it. But God's way is by faith alone so that men will have nothing to boast about except God's unmitigated grace. So the essential element of verse 9 is believing. That is the one thing that results in justification and acceptance before God. If you subsequently have good works, it is the result of your salvation... And not the cause of it. In fact if you have any good works at all. It is what God has done for you. Roman uh, Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. You see he has to do it in you. And God has ordained that we should walk in these good works before the foundation of the world. But let's now consider the other part of verse 9. This is the difficult part here. (laughs) This is the hard part. True salvation involves a confession of the Lord Jesus. Do you see that in verse 9? It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth The Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now as you read this, you might suppose that Paul is talking about confession of Christ to other men. In other words, you might hear the gospel in church one morning, and when you hear it, you believe in your heart. But you're not really saved yet, you see, since you must confess it before men. Perhaps before you are saved, you must walk down the aisle and tell the preacher that you believe in Christ. That's what some believe. Or perhaps you must stand up and confess Christ to the congregation before God will save you. Maybe to be saved, you must go home and tell your family that you believe in Christ. Or maybe you must go to the workplace and confess Christ. But it seems to me that confessing Christ before men is not generally given as a requirement of salvation. I want you to recall in the book of Acts when the jailer asked Paul, What must I do to be saved? Do you remember what Paul told him? Paul didn't say, Go confess Christ to your superiors. Rather, Paul said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And listen to Paul again in Ephesians. In Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you are saved through faith. It says nothing in the world about confessing to other men. In this verse Paul doesn't say anything about confessing to men. But again he gives faith alone as the saving instrument. There was a thief one day hanging on a cross beside Jesus. And at some point the thief believed in Christ and he said remember me when you come into thy kingdom it is interesting that Jesus didn't look over at him and say you must announce to the bystanders that you now believe rather before the thief made any public confession Jesus said today thou shalt be with me in paradise I want to tell you this morning that many of Christ's disciples, and that includes you and me, have failed to confess him among men at times. The glaring example is Peter, who denied Christ three times in one night. Oh, Peter confessed, all right. Peter confessed that he didn't even know Jesus. And yet Christ did not revoke his salvation. Our general understanding of the Scriptures is that a man is saved when he believes. If Paul is talking about confession to other men here, he must be referring to a public confession not as effecting our salvation or being a condition of our salvation, but as being the natural result of it. Sometimes the Bible, sometimes in the Bible, the effective instrument of our salvation is so closely linked with the natural result of our salvation that they can be spoken of in the same breath. I want you to listen to what Jesus once said in Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You see how being baptized, though it is not the effective instrument of our salvation, it is such a natural result of it that it is spoken of in the same breath. So if Paul is speaking of confessing before men, it is only because what is in the heart naturally comes out of the mouth. Now I want to assure you that it's a very good thing to confess Christ before men. But we must realize that it is the result of our salvation, not the cause of it. I want to suggest to you though that the confession of the Lord of the Lord Jesus to which Paul speaks in verse 9 may not be a confession to men at all. It could be here that Paul is speaking of a confession to God. You'll notice in the immediate context that it is God that is called on. There is no other mention of calling on men here. So the question is, to whom is, are we to confess? The Lord Jesus? Look at Romans 10, 12. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon who? Him! And in verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And look at verse 14, how then shall they call on who? On him in whom they have not believed. You see how in this context the believer is not necessarily calling on men, but rather he's calling on God. And so Paul may very well be speaking of the sinner confessing his faith in Christ to the Father. All sinners must confess their faith in Christ to the Father. Did you know that the Father only accepts those who believe in His Son? Now we've been talking about the faith way of salvation and we have seen that the faith way of salvation is attainable as opposed to the law way, which is unattainable. The faith way of salvation is very simple, in that you don't have to climb to heaven to bring Christ down, nor descend to the deep to raise Him up from the dead. He's already done that for you. Rather, salvation is in the Word of God, which is very near to you. And we have seen that the faith way of salvation is strictly an internal thing, It is a matter of the heart and not a matter of outward performance. And now lastly, we see that the faith way of salvation removes the exclusivity of the Jews and extends salvation to all. This is found in verses 11 through 13. For the scripture saith, whosoever... Believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I think in Romans chapter uh, uh, chapter 10 verses 9 through 11, Paul is addressing the great change that has come about since the Mosaic law has expired with Christ. And the dispensation of grace has come in. He is discussing how all of this affects the Jews. You've heard the expression, there's a new sheriff in town. Well, when Christ came along, there's a new covenant in town, you see. And the old covenant has been terminated. There is a new administration of things. The law had its day, it had its purposes, but it wasn't to save. It showed the Jews their sins, it showed the Jews their state of condemnation. It always pointed ultimately to the coming Savior. But now, Christ has come, and that old dispensation is over. And it's now called the Old Covenant your bible say the old testament it's old because there's something new and now the real way of salvation has taken center stage i want to make sure that we all understand that faith was always the way of salvation faith alone was always the way god saved men by faith for 2,500 years before the Mosaic Law was ever instituted. And when the Mosaic Law was administered to Israel, it was not administered as a new way of salvation. It did not change the faith way at all. This is expressed very well in Galatians, by the way, where Paul says, In no way did the Mosaic law abolish the Abrahamic covenant, you see. But here's the great error of the Jews. They thought that they would now earn their salvation by works. They thought they would keep the law and show that they were righteous. And they turned their backs on grace. Oh my. Don't ever turn your back on grace. It's the only way you'll ever get to heaven. It's the only way you'll be accepted by a holy God. It's pure and simple grace. The Jews said Abraham was saved by faith, but will be saved by works. The works of the law. Look again at Romans chapter 9, verses 31 and 32. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. Why or wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. Here's what happens when you think you'll earn your way to heaven just like the Jews, you will reject the Lord Jesus Christ. You will turn your back on the grace way. Your religion will become an outward religion. You will become self righteous. You will think that you're better than others. And in the end, you will not attain unto righteousness. But here's the way to be saved. Confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. And thou shalt be saved. Would you bow with me? Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the grace way. Oh, how we thank you for the Lord Jesus We thank you that it's not by our merit at all because we don't have any. We thank you that it's not by our righteousness at all because we don't have any. We thank you that it's all by the righteousness of Christ because he has it all. We thank you that he is our substitute. We look to him by sheer and mere faith, faith only. Lord, help us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to give him all the credit and all the glory. And help us to be accepted by you, the Father, on the basis of his work and not our own. We pray this sincerely in Christ's name.